Welcome to the Don't Know Much Podcast, the B- DKM Podcast, uh, ladies and gentlemen, where where we don't know much about anything. But what I do know is that uh, I'm not sure if I talked about this before or not in, in the podcast, but uh, I was th- looking back earlier today on things I didn't like when I was a child and now I like it now. And uh, one of those things was sushi. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, Daniel, Kenny, and I, we were uh, eating sushi uh, the other day, and it really put it into perspective. While I was waiting for these two fools to finally show up to the restaurant, that I'm like, "Dang, sushi is super good!" And I can't believe as a child I, I was really missing out. Uh, and it's one of those things where I'm glad I was able to mature in such a way where I was able to enjoy this fine cuisine. I'm not sure if you're in a similar camp with something that you liked before, uh, or you didn't like before, and now it's your perception now. Uh, with you, Daniel, because I have a couple of them. Uh, I can think of, like, maybe a salad. Like, I never tried a salad until, like, I was, like, 18, and I really grew to like them. But then again, I'm also the degenerate that, like, uses Caesar and ranch dressing the most. Yeah, I was about to say, so. is it just the salad itself, or is it the sauce that comes with no, the No, I salad? like Caesar dressing. I like Caesar dressing. I can eat it with Caesar dressing that's, just fine. That's what I'm saying. Like, a lot of people's like, yeah, I don't mind salads as long as it has its, you know, its dressing. And I'm like, well, then you're just eating the sauce. You could put that sauce on anything, and you just eat it. Yeah, but then again, have you tried eating like just salad without without any dressing? Yeah, I don't mind it. It's, I don't like it. It's it's too dry. It makes me cough. It's not my 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 kind of thing. That's why I, uh, you you throw in a little bit of water, just a little sprinkle mist, and you'll be fine. But and I was in middle school. I was obsessed with raisins, and now I I'm okay with raisins. I'm no longer obsessed. I have, you know what? I haven't had raisins in years. Now that I think about it, I used to eat them a lot when I was a kid. I used to eat, like little uh. Uh, little pig hams, the ones that come in the can, can and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, the ones with little sachichas and shit. Yeah. I used to eat those a lot when I was a kid. My grandma was telling me, like, oh, you used to eat those all the time when you were little, but I've never seen you doing that as an adult. I just never thought about it. I was like, oh, I could do that. No, fuck it. I'm I'm 26. I could eat dino nuggets so I feel like it. Doesn't Does Denny's sell dino nuggets? I mean, Denny's is really is a weird thing for me. Like, when I went to Denny's as a kid, I used to love the grilled cheese sandwiches and grapes. That's all I ate there. But like, and as an adult, I don't, I don't know. I, I like Denny's, but my problem with Denny's is that they're serving proportions a little too big for me. Like, I like half of a ham sandwich, and it's like really good. Like, they'll cut it in half. But then there's like the other sandwich, and I'm just like, man, I really don't want to eat this. But they used to be like my place to go at like four or five in the morning if I was still up and awake. I, I can't recall if it had. A, oh, dang. All I know is that I haven't been to a Denny's. I mostly just go to IHOP because it's, because, it's the one, uh, people tend to go to in groups. I've never really gone to Denny's or IHOP by myself. I always, I've always ever dined in or gone to it because uh, it was a group thing. People are like, hey, let's go get this breakfast item or let's go go get Denny's just because it's there. And that's what we did. Big. Yeah. I mean, the, the last time I went to Denny's with someone like in the restaurant itself was actually with someone. Um, I Usually I just sort of take out and then I just eat it at my house because it's like down the street from my house. So I would just be like, all right, I'm going to go in my pajamas, order my shit, pick it up and then go. Uh, sometimes it's annoying though when it's like they tell you like oh it's gonna be ready in 20 minutes and i had to wait like a whole hour like there i get it's busy and stuff like that but it's like damn like why did i show up you know what i'm saying i went to a denny's was it a denny's or maybe it was an ihop i think it was a denny's uh i think back in may yeah back in may end of may and that shit was so run down and so understaffed it felt depressing and that was out of town but it was, it was something else. It was sort of a, it, w- it was a weird feeling, but the food was good at least. At least the chefs were, were, were on top of it. 
the only thing uh, that I that sucked was it was just understaffed. But I, there's a couple things I didn't like when I was a kid. Now as an adult, I'm like hell yeah, put that on my mouth right now. Sushi's one of them, all kinds of sushi. But I uh. <laughs> my autistic brain didn't like uh, vegetables for the longest time until I decided, like, I should really, like, you know, uh, put my big point pants on and start eating vegetables because they have so many uh, benefits and I know they're good for you. So I started eating them with cheese because I, I think the Green Giant sells uh, an assortment pack of vegetables that comes with cheese. And then eventually I started eating it with less and less cheese and then I started liking vegetables altogether. And I'm like, well, at least that's a thing I could do now. And it's one of those things where I'm like, can I just condition myself to eat, what, to eat whatever the hell I want? And I think that that might be the case because I've been getting into a lot of Asian cuisine. And one of them is like insects. And I've eaten insects before. I don't mind it. It's just like there's some Asian cuisines where like they eat live insects. And I'm a type of guy where like I wouldn't say no to something right away. Uh, but I, I'm kind of curious on like how some of these... Asian places eat these inst- cooked insects with the bomb ass sauce that most Asian communities have. Every freaking country, whether it be Korean, uh, Filipino, Vietnamese, Guam, they have these sauces that are just like super good and super sweet and super uh, nice for you. But like, I don't know. They also eat like weird ass shit that Americans find disgusting. But I'm so down for it. Funny thing you mentioned that I was watching. Um Last night, I was up uh, last night watching history videos because I like watching a lot of history content. I like watching a lot of simple history. And they were talking about how <laughs> China's Great Leap Forward was a thing and like how horribly catastrophic that, that was. Do you know about that, Marcos? Uh, yes. And I know exactly. I think I have an idea where you're going with this. But if you want to explain to the audience what the Great Leap Forward was and how it. Uh... Um, yeah, basically, if you wanted to. Well, it, I'm assuming that our shit is already banned off of Chinese. Uh, Networks already as is, but long story short, uh, the uh, Kim Jong Un, not no, Il, or Il, I forgot. North Korea. Oh, Mao, Mao, Mao. That's yeah, what I'm thinking about. Mao. Mao was basically he was a guy who just said, you know what, China's a little bit too much of a farming community. I wanted to be a little bit more industrial, so he got like a bunch of farmers, and he told these farmers like, hey, we need you to stop working on the fields. Uh, by the way, you're no longer uh, having private property. We're going to be a communist country now, and we need you to give up your land and everything so we could, uh, you know, give it for the state and everything. Right. But he also wanted to make steel. Now, this guy didn't really know how to make steel. He just thought, well, steel's made out of metal, right? So what he did was that he told these farmers that, like, hey, if you have any spare, like, uh, toasters, radiators, any piece of silverware or metal, uh, can you, you know, melt it behind your house with, like, one of those makeshift right. – uh, things and they they melt furnaces there you go uh like they minecraft the shit out of it they literally pulled out the minecraft crafting table and they're like all right just put some some metal here put the put the uh the furnace here and then bam and like they realize like oh the steel we're making is a kind of garbage it doesn't uh, really do anything and also it affected this idea that they they made a lot of grain Mm mm-hmm and at first, their thing was going great. They were basically like overeating, and they had like a lot of like a lot of over um, overstock of ga- of grain and stuff. But then later, eventually, um, things got really bad. So, for example, one of the things that they wanted to do is that they wanted people, including children, that if they see a, a sparrow, basically a sparrow eats grain, right? right? And they thought, okay, we have this bird that's going around eating our grain. That's going to affect our our short our, our supply. So we're told to like, hey. 
ignore, ignore the sh uh, annoy the shit out of them and shoot them down if you see them because we don't want them to eat the grain. So they would shoot down these birds into thinking like, okay, cool, we get the we keep the grain, we're gonna be good. But then what happens was that whenever you fuck up the eco the uh, ecosystem like that, turns out killing the sparrow. Uh, made an influx of insects and pesticides to come in and eat up all the fucking grain. So what happens now is that you had all this grain that was made, people overate it, and then they're not only that though, they also had all this like grain that went to waste essentially because all these crit critters and stuff like that were eating up all the grain. Now Mal didn't want to just like say, oh shit, maybe we need to scale this back. No, that motherfucker still wanted to import or export all the grain because he wanted to make all the money, and like 20 million people died. Mm -hmm. Uh because of this shit and i'm just like thinking like wow that that was a great leap forward to fuck up right there yeah, it's one of the many things that china at least uh, during the mao regime really didn't do so well uh then again uh china's done a couple things in 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 the sake of uh uh of being practical and it ended up possibly backfiring it to potentially actually like really backfiring one of them was the um one child policy in uh in china and it sucks that <laughs> you know one way to combat uh overpopulation is for an authoritarian government to say uh no more children no more multiple children per household just one and then you have a generation of a uh, uh, of uh chinese citizens who uh well there's no other chinese counterpart gender counterpart because well um parents would prefer a male over a female as a uh, as an offspring in order to take care of them in their future years so there's, there's a couple of things that um that uh it's kind of cringeworthy in the uh, chinese government but the only thing i can say positive about the uh authoritarian government is if if you want something done immediately given that it's an authoritarian government over there uh you can quickly do it at a drop out of hat uh xi jinping can just say hey we're gonna do this and it gets done immediately whereas here in america it might take some time to to litigate some 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 details here and there dent on some issues which you know i would prefer they take their time on but if something needs immediate action uh xi jinping in china can just be like hey this is gonna happen Jinping just needs to look and say like oh i need to consult this with my with my with my country he looks himself in the mirror and be like yeah that's a good idea bro do it mm -hmm. yeah let's do it mm -hmm. and then he, he puts it into place and that was uh, another thing i was watching about with like with north korea where like you know north korea it, they were talking about like oh how did like the prime minister of north korea ate compared to the common folk in north korea and like oh. this dude like ate expensive food got yeah. a bunch of expensive wine like spent like i think seven hundred thousand dollars a year um on just wine alone mm -hmm. Uh, I think the funniest story I ever heard was like someone like he wanted a hamburger, right? And hamburgers weren't a thing in in North Korea, right. including the fact that McDonald's wasn't even a thing. But he wanted a hamburger, so what he did was that he sent a chef over to another country to buy a McDonald's hamburger, come back, eat it cold, and he's like, "Oh, this shit's pretty good." All right, I and then he said, "All right, you know what? I made the hamburger. Now it's my thing." And that's that's what he that's what they treated it as. They're like, "Oh, he didn't he didn't buy it. He made it." And then later he told everyone that he made it. Yeah, it's one of those things where, um, I think it was his father, uh, Kim Jong Il, where he played golf for the first time and he got like what, like sixteen holes and ones and whatever holes and one, and all his guards were there to say, "Yep, that totally happened." I was there. I mean, like, hey, he was he was a pro. Did you know that when he was born, um, a double rainbow happened? Did you know that? Uh, I and mean, a new star was made. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't doubt it. Double rainbows uh, are essentially a aren't that crazy a phenomenon uh when it comes to like hey it was raining we were at a certain angle and we saw two rainbows that I, like that's 
It's like you can't really quite disprove that. Well, you see, it didn't count because there wasn't a funny video about a guy going like, "Whoa, double rainbow, bro!" All the way. All the way. The one thing that is a, a bit more like, if they said there was a rainbow around the uh, like the sun when you look up on the sun, like that's a, that's a bit more like disprovable because people could pr- like point. I was like, yeah, this phenomenon did happen during this day because well, um, it was a uh, it was one of those like special days where like the conditions were just right for it to happen type of thing, you know. But like it, it's one of those things yeah. where like you, you just try to uh, impress your crush, so you like make up a story, but like yeah, this is what happened, and yeah. That's where it, yeah, it's <laughs> that's where it is, and I love it. it. It is how it is. But uh, in lighter news, though, um, I don't know, Marcos, have you, you are you excited for any games coming out this uh, this year? Actually, because I, I don't think I've been really been keeping up to date on like anything new that I'm looking forward to. I'm glad you brought up games and things we're excited for when it comes to games, because like one thing that always concerns me about, and this is just connecting the new topic and the old topic, that there's so many people in China that like people gotta like ad- like developers want their games to do successfully in china and one game that i in particular that i'm looking forward to in general it's not going to come out this year hell no and that is a chinese game it's a, a black myth wukong uh mm-hmm. the, yeah you so, told us about dude, it yeah it, it i i just um i'm hoping the game is as good as the developers uh make it seem to be because every time they they, they well yeah they're, that's what they're going to try to do that's their job well the thing is the the first trailer came out and the trailer looked fucking amazing. Like the only negative part of the trailer was like uh, some frame rates uh, dropped for like one scene, and the creator, I mean the 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 director of the whole uh, development team, he's like um, or the company, the developing studio, I should say, he was ashamed. He was like, dude, everything about this trailer was 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 a dumpster fire, and I was like, what do you mean? There's only one technically bad part because no everything was wrong and he pointed out everything that was wrong with it and then when he when they released the second trailer the trailer looked flawless already looked flawless and even then the uh the director is like okay with the second trailer but like that's the only game i'm looking forward to because like uh the whole uh song wukong and the journey of the west uh type of a story uh it's been used a lot in um in in different kinds of entertainment medias uh we even see it in like animes like with goku being one of them or for uh oh yeah wukong is a very popular like archetype i mean there's a wukong in league there's a wukong in dota there's a wukong inspiration in dragon ball yeah basically and the one thing that i've always enjoyed when it comes to like souls like games is the isn't so much about the uh the combat itself or the uh uh, oh, what do you call this? Not just the combat, uh, but the atmosphere, everything that you're building. It, like, Anna Orlando in Dark Souls, it's just, it's just huge. It's such a big, big, big place to explore. And you're just there, just in, just taking everything in. It's just one of the things that I liked about these Souls-like games where they just really, really uh, implement the whole, hey, this is our world, this is how big it is, and this is how small you are. But you're still a god. You're still a god. You can still slay uh all sorts of abominations and gods and stuff well for me uh the one recent game that i'm kind of excited for uh it recently got a direct for was um uh, splatoon 3 i'm really looking forward to that i really like splatoon i really do i think splatoon is one of my favorite new ips that nintendo has made since the wii u um i really dig the the world and the setting and I, i dig the like art style and everything in between um 
so I, I'm really, really excited for uh, Splatoon 3 in, in particular uh, because uh, Splatoon 3 just got a recent direct that looks like it's going to be a lot more things into the game because I, I complained that Splatoon 2 was really good, but it wasn't enough to really justify a sequel. And I, some people may argue that Splatoon 3 really isn't doing it for some people. Um, I could see why, but I'm, I'm still really excited for the game. I think it, it looks really promising. I like the more active customizability. And um... have you ever used uh what's that control called the um the pro controller no uh in splatoon you can aim by moving without moving the analog stick you can aim by moving the uh, uh what's this thing called gyro aiming i'm sorry gyro aiming yeah that one yeah actually that's a funny thing you bring that up actually um i've been really fascinated with gyro aiming i think gyro aiming is one of those like things that it's that uh that a lot of people kind of like underappreciated um a couple uh a couple years ago because when like nintendo was bringing that up with like you know with the switch and everything like that technically the ps4 recently uh started using gyro i mean for those who don't know what gyro i mean is because that maybe if you're not a nintendo fan and you don't have a nintendo console because it's still kind of a very niche thing um essentially your accelerometer on your controllers like on your dualshock 4s and your nintendo switch uh joy cons and pro controllers um it's it's supposed to detect motion it's supposed to that's how we were able to play like um games that needed a touchscreen or like a Wii remote pointer like for example um the world ends with you splatoon um other games that use it but not mainly for a pointing feature i mean granted like mario odyssey did it uh, for enhanced abilities but they also used it for uh aiming for like let's say you're aiming where the catapult is going to go for right but essentially what gyro aiming is that rather than just aiming with the analog stick you aim by moving the controller and what I've been really fascinated with, there's a YouTuber I like a lot called Nero, who was well known because he he made that like really infant. I think everybody is. I think I brought this up in the on a previous podcast episode, but he made this like really, um, I don't want to say clickbaity, but probably a very recognizable thumbnail for the uh, Majora's Mask 3D remake. Uh, because Majora's Mask 3D remake was really weird for me because I was really excited for it because I think like Majora's Mask got like this renaissance of like appreciation post Ocarina of Time because you know Majora's Mask I want to say before the Ben Drown creepypasta was always been in the shadow of Ocarina of Time where it's like it was like the seek it was like a game to continue on the story of Ocarina of Time Link but it was kind of like in the shadow of a great game and to be fair though like when you're when Ocarina of Time is like the highest rated game on Metacritic at the moment at least in my memory serves me right it's understandable like why most people probably didn't like Majora's Mask at launch because maybe the time mechanic and the aspect of the game didn't really appeal to them or maybe the reuse of asset kind of felt like it was a kind of a cheap sequel yeah that makes sense the one thing uh when it comes to like gyro aiming and that's one thing i've always been interested in as a concept or as a as a uh, uh what's this thing called as a actual mechanic is that it, in some situations especially in some critical situations i could see where you're under a lot of stress and you're like you're you're, you're trying to survive and you're you, you could shake whatever you're you're holding to uh to such a degree where it could cause some inaccuracies but at the same time i i, I still prefer it over the conventional using the analog stick to aim i agree because I, I think that that's that's actually something of an improvement i think it's a nice like uh middle ground like a, a good example like going back to the narrow guy i told you about earlier mm -hmm. uh narrow did this video about like talking about like the steam controller right and a lot of people like i was very fascinated with the steam controller um uh, but i think like i think i've said this before that valve in my opinion whenever they make hardware they make hardware for super niche purposes but they sell it to the masses and that's why they kind of flop in the grand scheme of things because like the general public isn't really going to be uh really interested in it so when i was looking up like what do 
do people use the Steam controller for today? The common thing that people say is like, well, technically speaking, the Steam controller before like the DualShock 4 got like support on the Steam on 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 Valve so- uh, software like Steam um, was that it had gyro aiming, and gyro aiming wasn't really that marketed even in back when the Steam controller was still active. It was sort of like a little footnote that they added in the website saying, like, oh, you could aim with gyro aiming, right. and that kind of thing kind of like started this idea of like, okay, we're gonna do gyro aiming. But we're also going to support not just on the Steam controller, but with other hardware like the Steam Pro controller and the PS4 controller. Like there is a whole setting in Steam Big Picture mode that enables you that when you hold down the uh, aim aim down sight button, the controller now suddenly turns into a mouse where you could start aiming with gyro aiming. And I really like that a lot because like with, I I personally don't like playing uh, shooters, especially first person shooters with a uh, with a analog stick unless you're using like aim assist. It's never been fun. And you know you brought up earlier like oh do you play Splatoon with gyro aiming? Back in the day when I was a tryhard little shit, I wanted to prove the point that gyro aiming wasn't good. So I would try to play with the analog stick and it was fucking awful. Maybe because I don't play it with claw grip or something, but it wasn't as like accurate or as fast or as like as good as I needed it to be. And I think gyro aiming just helps you, especially if you're like me and you play shooters with a mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. Uh, aiming with a, with a gyro controller helps you kind of mitigate that a little bit because you don't have to like depend on like a fucking stick just go clank 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 try to like aim it precisely or you praying the aim assist takes over you could like act comfortably like move your hand over to pick up uh to aim down the the gun and, and that's what it really got to me it was like oh man like that kind of changes everything up for me like i wish every game supported gyro aiming um and granted there's a lot of hoops you have to climb especially with like certain games that don't because the, the biggest issue you're going to deal with especially with pc if like if you want to support uh gyro aiming is that your game has to be able to both recognize a controller input and a mouse and keyboard input at the same time mm-hmm. so like for example let's say you're playing resident evil 2 if you hold down the ads button or the aim down sight button that suddenly switches that controller that controller into things it's a mouse and keyboard and then it should work just fine like that but for another example was giving going back to resident evil resident evil 5 was the worst with this shit resident evil 5 was either like you either play with a controller or with a or with a mouse and keyboard and it constantly switches like every second so that was like one of the biggest complaints that people tell me like oh when they want to get resident evil 5 like oh i don't want to get on pc because i heard the port's really weird it's not the port is really weird it's just that uh capcom didn't properly like use like steam steam's like controller input method really comfortably so the game has to like hard code itself into telling like okay i'm in controller mode and then i'm in mouse and keyboard mode so yeah i i think the gyro means like really cool and i would love to like dedicate time into like oh let me go back to play older games because i can see myself like a good example be like uh gta right gta is not fun to play with a mouse and keyboard because driving with a mouse and keyboard isn't fun but shooting with a mouse and keyboard is really fun so what i would like to do is to be like okay i'll play with a controller and then every time i aim down my gun to shoot i use gyro aiming to aim and be able to have a little bit more control of where the hell i'm shooting at right i've i I don't. I mean, hell, even Doom on Switch even got it. It's it's really funny too, because like when Doom announced, like, oh, we got added gyro aiming. Everyone's like, who asked for this? Who asked for this? And like, literally everyone. Dude, I I don't know. I when it comes to driving in video games, I I could see why on controller it's it's obviously superior, but I've never had an issue with driving in GTA games when it comes to like using mouse and keyboard. Maybe it's because... Oh, yeah. I play GTA 4 completely with a mouse and keyboard. It's possible, but it's not fun. I wouldn't say that... I'm not saying that it's fun or not. I'm just saying, like, I've played it so much throughout my, my childhood and my teenage years on mouse and keyboard that I've just gotten used to it. That, like, in middle school, when I started playing um GTA San Andreas, GTA 3, and GTA uh, Vice City on, on, 
on the computer because everyone in freaking middle school had it on the USB stick and we just started playing on, on the computers whenever we had a chance. It's one of those things where you just adapted and you just got used to it. And I never really complained about it because I was just having fun putting in any cheat codes I can. Uh, heck, I, I remember still some, you know, GTA 3 cheat codes just because of how often I used them. Uh, like, uh, if I were a rich man, I gave you, like, a whole bunch of money. Uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang's another one. Like, I, I pl- I've used the, these codes so many times that I just, uh, it became ingrained in my brain. I could just never get rid of it. All that being said, I, um... Well, I argue that this is more of an ac- accessibility sort of thing. I'm not talking about like just like getting good at it or no, of course. With it. I think so. Of people, course, I think just some people prefer to play games at a certain yeah. way that they should be able to play comfortably. That's true. That's what I, I think that that's just a, a thing that like we shouldn't stifle like I- improvement and creativity. Like he made a, another good video where he talked about like why motion controls were actually were a good thing, and like people immediately like knee jerk reactions like, oh, you want to play games like a casual? You want to do like just dance, pussy, and this and that? It's like no, dude. Like look back at like early days of like. Wii reviews like look up like the early reviews of Metroid Prime 3 where people say like oh Amy with the Wii remote is actually like kind of like close to Amy with like a mouse with a mouse and keyboard and like that was like the purpose he was trying to make is right. that people get this idea that motion controls was meant to be like oh it's for just dance we fit it's super casual this this and that and it's like in reality it really isn't like that though now I'm not saying that they should force motion controls and that's what he was trying to make the argument too is like we shouldn't force motion controls because unfortunately not every gamer could you know deal with motion controls not be you know because maybe of physical limitations or things like that but it was just one of those things that's like just because you didn't like it doesn't mean that other people shouldn't experiment with it right one thing and don't get me wrong there are games that kill the vibe with motion controls i i totally get that like trust me like there was a great uh video with, with the guys who made um i'm pretty sure you remember red steel right marcos from the wii uh the one with the, it was like one of the earliest Wii launch titles. It was like super cool because it had like a sword and a gun mechanic. You know, we all bought it and we all thought it was super good, but then we realized like all the the control was actually kind of dog shit at the time. Um, Maybe. Basically, they made a follow up sequel, which actually was pretty good. But they they made this like um, thing where you know I, I don't know if you ever seen like a GDC uh, conference. Basically, it's like when a developer talks about their philosophy on like game design and like how we develop a game to do this, this, and that. Uh-huh. Um, he the guy who was doing the presentation just told everyone like at the beginning of the presentation like, okay, everyone, uh, I want everybody to stand up and stay standing up while you're while we're doing this whole presentation. And some people and they asked like, oh, what type of player are you? Are you this, this, and that? And then later, as the, he was finishing up the process, he said, okay, I want everybody who's still standing raise your hand. Of course, some people said down he said look that is your audience right there and that was the problem with red steel too was that you know it was a very good game it was very like i love the style change of it i, I like that they stopped going for like that uber realistic look for the wii they went for more of a stylized cowboy samurai look mm-hmm. but eventually they just said that like you know the game was good but a lot of people were just kind of tired out of it like they just weren't like super committed they wanted to play red steel too but without like having to stand up and play red steel too okay i I'm, I can't recall if I ever played it or heard of it, but it sounds... I remember Red Steel. I remember Red Steel. I played Red Steel 1, and I thought it was so cool, but it, then it was like one of those games you look back at launch, because it was a launch title, and it was a cool-looking launch title, and it was just really weird because you have to use like the nunchuck as like a small blade to parry, and the other one to like to attack, but it was never like clear, and and at first I thought like I was doing something wrong, but no, it was just that the controls were bad at at for that game at the time. But for, like, a Wii launch title, it was very impressive. That wasn't, you know, uh, fucking Twilight Princess. I think I'm starting to remember it now. Unless, and, and like, another game I can think of that maybe Motion Control kind of killed for it was, um, you know, Skyward Sword was actually one of the bigger ones. Uh, really? 
motion controls? Yeah, some people were kind of like fed up. I mean, like, you know, I know Skyward Sword is considered like a very polarizing uh, Zelda game in, in the general Zelda fan base. I remember there was like a whole hubbub about like one guy who really, from GameSpot, who really hated Skyward Sword. And it said like, oh, this was bad, yada, yada, yada. And it was like a very divisive game in the front, in the fan base. Uh, but some people just really didn't like it. And I, I don't know if you remember the E3 presentation where Miyamoto was first showing Skyward Sword. There was a lot of technical problems at the time. But, you know, they right. talked, there was like, yeah, oh, with the motion Bluetooth. controls and stuff. Yeah. Uh, one thing. So I think a lot of people were like scared. They said like, okay, if this is bugging out on a show stage, like why can't we play this with a controller? And that's why I was kind of happy that Skyward Sword actually did get a pretty. I know some people hate the price. I get it. I totally understand why some people are not fine paying 60 bones for, for a Skyward Sword re-release on the Switch. But I bought it for $30 because I was patient and um i think that in my opinion it's actually a fine game uh remaster to play because they actually not only just did like just a controller change actually did some smaller quality of life improvements one thing i did remember seeing is uh or reading is when people complained about how uh twilight princess was a return to like what people got used to with zelda a much more gritty uh they wanted ocarina time too essentially or uh, repeat that they wanted an Ocarina of Time too. And Basically, to be fair, yeah, though, yeah. like, yeah, it was because it was the post of oh, we don't like the Wind Waker art style. That's what to it be was, fair yeah. though, it wasn't. It wasn't just only the fans. It was actually Miyamoto himself. He wanted it to be more realistic. He wanted it to be more like. Um, more grittier and things like that but i don't know maybe it's just like his development team just couldn't see it or maybe they just knew the hardware couldn't support it but then that's why twilight princess was such a big hype because like that's what people wanted i mean remember the first time you ever saw zelda running on a gamecube was a fucking tech demo that was just melee models of link and ganondorf from melee um fighting and then they thought like holy shit what if the whole zelda game was like that right and then they got this cutesy you know art style that in my opinion still feels like it ages way better than twilight princess in my opinion that's why uh what was it that was the one thing that i remember people saying about skyward sword is like it's really we went from ocarina of time majora's mask people loved that and then to wind waker where a lot of people were complaining and bitching about the small things which is just uh no we don't like uh the whole tune links design the whole links design and the cartoony art style and, and then we go to twilight princess we're like yeah we return to to normalcy uh quote-unquote normalcy and then now it's back to skyward sword where zelda's happy zelda's uh, a bit more cheerful and i'm like yeah because this is the first generation of ganondorf of course you'd be happy everybody'd yeah, be happy of course <laughs> you know so it was one of those things where I, I, I don't didn't quite understand why people were just complaining. You know, I always say this though. I feel like that Nintendo kind of shot themselves in the foot when they, you know, when they split the timeline and they say like, "Oh, there's three timelines. There's the timeline when the where the hero failed. There's a timeline where adult Link succeeded, and then there's a timeline where young Link lived on." And I there's always going to be that demand where people are going to know like who the fuck fucked up, which Link fucked up, because there has to be a Link that fucked up. Uh, you. Because you know that, Marcos, right? Like, Nintendo made an official timeline, Dude, I, I and feel up like to this point... they split the timeline on purpose just to milk the series as a whole. You know what I mean? Well, no, because, remember, no, they, they made the timeline around the time Skyward Sword was out. Oh, right. And basically, the, the way how the timeline is explained, that Skyward Sword starts first. I don't know where Breath of the Wild is. No one told Breath me. Breath of the Wild at the end. Really? Because I've heard the complete opposite from people, no, but I don't know. The, Maybe no, I... it's confirmed to be the very end by Nintendo. But, like, which end? Of all three. All three, so it conjoins back to Breath of the Wild? Yeah. Every, literally, the okay. beginning, well, the to beginning be fair, though, is I mean, Skyward Sword. Can... The ending is Breath of the Wild. Nintendo's confirmed this, and that's how it is. We don't know what happens between the three branches and 
the the birth of the wild uh matt pat made a theory about it that um hyrule warriors is the missing link but um that's not canon in terms of it's not canon but the only way to make uh birth of the wild canonically any sense when it comes to the three timelines is to make hyrule warriors canon which brings well yeah of course because when higher warriors can fan service the shit out of their fans like yeah it's of course they're gonna get away with that yeah like yeah totally add skull kid from tournament on alternate dimension fuck it let's just do it kids fans love them let's just put them in the game basically so yeah it's i mean like then it's one of those things but then you got to start asking yourself like if we're gonna start putting that then where does age of calamity fall in because because i don't want to spoil it because age of calamity gets like really wonky with the fucking timeline at this point but like that that's just so oh, so interesting to me now because it's like that's something like me and my stepbrother always talk about it's like wait canonically speaking there's a link that fucked up at some point and link failed and then that's why we have like the bad timeline uh i think it was the well the link who fails dead so it's one of those it, i don't think this is a specific link it's it's the same link from ocarina of time it just becomes a schrodinger's link where uh uh, no, no, you're thinking about Wind Waker. No, Wind Waker no, 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 is no. the ex- Listen, listen. Ocarina of Time, much like how with the whole... Is that what it's called? Uh, Schrodinger's cat, where the cat is both alive or dead. And dead. Right? It, it's about... Yeah, alive and dead. Uh, Ocarina of Time is both successful, successful, and a failure for Link's part. And this is just... Oh, yeah, yeah. So this is mean, just yeah. the whole quantum thing about it. Basically, there is a timeline where Adult Link went back to fight Ganon. Ganon beat his ass and then later he declines. The last hero dies and then we have probably the strongest Link ever is Link to the Past. And then we got the Oracle games, Link's Awakening and the first two Zelda games on NES. Right, and all I'm saying is, is that when it comes to uh, like the Link who failed is also the Link who succeeded. It's the same Link. It's just Ganon decided to... Uh, to you know uh to wave that on a live link. no to wave dash in this direction instead of that direction and then he ends up winning yeah and that's really you fucking sh- spike the shit out of link off of fd ba- I guess yeah you. basically so that's the, that's the thing with this uh this whole legend of zelda timeline where it, everything's the same to ocarina of time which uh the creators decided to like hey this is what's gonna happen all that stuff so yeah it, it, it is interesting that um that this timeline exists and i feel like it was a good miss mistake in in anyone's eyes because like i feel like in skyward sword they just finally put an actual timeline but i'm pretty sure in ocarina of time every game after ocarina of time they had to explain what was going on with these games that they developed because wind waker states that hey the hero succeeded and then he left and then majora's mask is the hero succeeded then went back in time those two well no majora's mask is more like kid link just said hey yo navi like fucking bailed on me after that quest like I didn't even know where the fuck that little fairy bitch went because he just, like, left. Right. And the theory I read is really depressing was basically, like, Navi knew he was going to die because the quest was completed. So he didn't want to die in front of Link. And Link, he probably, like, flew away so he could die in peace. And Link didn't know that. So Link is just walking around in Lost Woods being like, all right, where's my, where's my best friend, my my homeboy? You know, you just fucking left me. And he didn't tell me what was going on. But that's essentially what happened. Link went to Terminal, which is really weird because apparently got retconned at some point with, the, with some Zelda encyclopedia where they claimed that Terminal was made because of skull kid but i was always interpreted that termina is just an alternate universe of hyrule that has nothing to do with hyrule essentially that's why they could get away with reusing assets essentially right and i just think that uh unless somehow skull kid flew through the lost woods trapped lincoln to ter- main termina as he was chasing him and main termina have a history up to this point and then he said all right now he's gonna fuck me but then it, that doesn't make any sense because there was cutscenes with skull kid fucking around 
in Termina. Now, you could make the argument like, oh, but they just use Termina Field because it was just, you know, easier way to, like, reuse assets. But I don't know. I, I kind of find I, – I count cap on that because if the Giants knew who the fuck Skull Kid was, um, Termina clearly existed beforehand. Yeah, I think when it comes to the link timelines, I think two of them work in conjunction with one another. It's like with – um, you watch the finale Samurai Jack, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, so you know how uh, after he defeats a coup, well, spoiler alert, it was uh, after he uh, defeats a coup, anything involving the future where a coup was alive, was alive yeah. in the future gets erased, which is uh, valid and also invalid, depending on how you want to view uh, uh, time travel and all that stuff. Um, uh, that happened. But and when it comes to The Legend of Zelda Universe, Two parallel universes are um, happening at the same time, where it's the one where the hero, the hero uh, survived. Link went back, told Zelda, "Yo, Ganon's up to some tomfoolery." All right, cool. Let's kill this motherfucker, seal him into the Hyrule, into the sacred realm, and then later, oh shit, uh, he also died in the adult timeline as well. So he died twice, essentially. Well, there is a, what was it? There's a Link fails to defeat Ganon. Link defeats Ganon. Uh, and then the world continues as is, and then there's Link defeats Ganon, and then he goes back as a child. The The universe continues as he was. Right. Like, so basically, there's the time that happens after Link kills Ganon in the adult timeline, and life keeps going, and then Ganon came back, and then realized, like, oh shit, Link isn't coming because he's he's a kid in his own timeline, so we just gotta flood Hyrule because right, that motherfucker's so gonna cost What I'm shit. saying is, those two timelines were, were both, when Link wins... Splits into two timelines. One where the the rest of the world continues living their life, as cool. Link won the hero time one, and he went back to his own time, back to his own peaceful time, and then he makes his own timeline. Those two work going conjunction. Those are the two funniest ones to me, because Link winning led to the most fucked up worlds, in my opinion. Yep. Because G Ganon, <laughs> Ganon defeating Link. And Hyrule Warrior going, uh, I mean Hyrule Warriors, Hyrule in general going into chaos. The world doesn't seem that destroyed. I mean, you go to Majora's Mask, which is the high, which is the timeline where Link defeats Ganon and goes back into his childhood. The moon's about to destroy the Earth because why not? And then guess what? Uh, in the other timeline where Link defeats Ganon and the world continues on without Link, they had to flood the world because Ganon's that strong. It's just, it's just ironic that the best option. Practically speaking, was to leave Ganon alive. Uh, everyone just lives in misery. Uh, it, it's like picking your poison type of thing, you know? I mean, it's sort of, you know what that kind of reminds me of? Like, maybe that's probably why I'm so fascinated with, like, the Castlevania franchise is the fact that, like, you have this entire family lineage where their entire purpose is that every hundred years, Dracula has to come back and some Belmont has to come in and kick his ass, essentially. And I think that that's probably what made, like, um, games like uh, Symphony Night so, like, surprising. It was like, oh, shit, you know, we already know what happens in Rondo of Blood. You know, Richter comes in, gives him a good old Hydra storm up his ass, and, you know, he beats him. And then you got Symphony of the Night where it's like, you know, you got alucard who's been asleep since fucking trevor's time and he's just like wakes up like mm, huh, that's weird my dad's causing shit and there isn't like a little corked up white boy in europe uh kicking his ass um i should probably do something about it and he just runs in the castle and be like hmm no belmont hmm all right gonna go run around hey uh have you seen uh the belmonts uh, oh you mean richter uh no i'm talking about trevor oh no trevor's dead dude he's like oh who's who's the belmont now oh it's richter oh what is he doing oh he runs the castle now like well shit okay 
cool. I guess I gotta go kick my dad's ass again. And then later, um, that's what that's what makes uh, Symphony Night so depressing was that like because Richter got cursed for you know that one time getting mind possessed by by Dracula, he couldn't hold the vampire killer. So now you had this entire family lineage just end in 1776, just being like, all right. Belmonts can't fight for shit now. They can't use the vampire kill. Now it has to be every other descendant that is even closely related to them that has to wield the whip, and it kills them. So you got like games like Castlevania 64, which I know it's not considered canon anymore. Um, you got the Portrait of Ruin games, Bloodlines, which was I always liked Bloodlines because it was like the closest one to a modern Castlevania game because it took place in 1920 during World War One. So you're not just exploring Transylvania, but you're trans traveling all over Europe during World War One. So there was like machinery and guns and shit like that. It was kind of a nice change of pace, you know what I'm saying? And then you play, you know, uh, after Portrait of Ruin, where like uh john morrison's uh son jonathan finally breaks the curse and now the belmonts can hold the whip again you know now you got julius belmont who comes in in 99 he's like all right big dracula war all right world nation everybody come together we're gonna fight dracula he beats dracula he seals him behind the moon and then he has amnesia and then he's just wandering around in rsr like hmm, i feel like i need to be here but i don't know what the fuck i'm doing and i don't even know who my name is uh by the way what's your name oh my name is uh um julius i mean not julius uh Oh my god, I forgot. Oh my god, I literally just had this goddamn name. Soma, Soma Cruz. And then later, you find out later that Soma Cruz is, spoiler alert, Dracula. And then Julius is like, oh, by the way, um, if you fuck up, I have to kill you. <laughs> I just love how the Belmonts are essentially the only, the only people who can fight Dracula one-on-one -on -one because, like, uh... They're superhuman. Well, they have the only weapon that could technically kill Dracula, technically. They're also superhuman because... Oh, well, yeah, that's because, true. Because, like... That's why I think that's probably why I love the Castlevania and Netflix series so goddamn much was that like, wait, let me make sure I get this straight. So the church and spoiler alert for the next Netflix series for anybody who haven't watched it, but it's like early episode one. OK, so let me make sure I get this fucking straight. The church goes to Dracula's wife and says, oh, she's a witch because she's trying to heal people. And she smashed Dracula, which, by the way, I don't know how the fuck anybody could not be intimidated by a woman who just fucked Dracula and lived to tell the tale. But whatever. And they burned her in the wit and the stake, and they're like, oh, shit, we're going to have to kill her because she's a witch. They kill her. Dracula comes by and says, yo, you guys royally fucked up with me. I'm going to kill you within a year unless you apologize. And then they said, all right, fuck it. We're not going to do it. By the way, the Belmonts have been defending us against evil all this time. Yeah, fuck them. Let's just burn down their, their keep and label them as heretics. And then it's just like. What the fuck? What are you doing? And then Dracula's like, oh, you really think I was playing? You really think I was fucking playing? Mm -hmm. And then, like, my favorite moment was, like, when Trevor meets the priest of, like, Geisha, and he's just, like, talking to the priest, and he's just like, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, oh, don't worry, we're gonna kill the, uh, the, the Whispers next, because, like, they're witches, too. And I'm like, dude, they're the only people that's a humanitarian group that are helping you guys. What the fuck is your problem? Like, oh, it's okay, I know that the Lord's name is gonna be doing the witches right. Like, and I like that Trevor's just like, yo, you know what, dude, like, Dracula's an asshole, but, like, you're fucked. You're a fucked person. It's one of those things where people are afraid of the unknown and the uh, the powers that be that may be. Because, like, honestly, let's be real, right? Uh, you're you're living in that time. The Belmonts. You barely could read. You barely could. You could barely do anything, right? The Belmonts. Yeah. Right. You don't even know what toilet paper is. That's actually a joke in the in the show where like. Uh, Fucky, one of the characters says like, "Oh, I, I back in back in my day, we used to use, we have toilet paper in our house." And, and like the priest said that some village is just like, "What the fuck is toilet paper?" Right, and like, not only did you just survive, um, uh, through the, a bad 
you know, a bad time in your history uh, in the form of, hey, we are going to uh, uh, just live in this in the in the uh, this oppressed uh, uh, moment where vampires are really, 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 really mean. Like like they're not definitely not a big gamer move on their brand. Like it's it's honestly like like not cool, bro. And they're like, you know, what? we don't care. We're going to do our own thing. We're going to kill whoever we see fit. And it is what it is. And the one thing that I, uh, uh, that's just funny in all this is like, hey, these people saved our lives and we're really grateful for, to them. And we're going to, uh, revere them as, as, as lords, as a, uh, as a, uh, uh as gods amongst men or anything, right? Because, you know, they, they saved their lives. They, they killed Dracula of all things. Then the next generation comes in and is like, hey, these guys are witches. These guys are evil because they had similar magic powers to the other guys. And they could be corrupt at any point. It, it's just one of those things where, like, the Salem Witch Trials shows that to be the case where people are, like, in their hysteria. They're just, like, will kill anything that they think they could get away with. It's it, it's funny. And I just feel like it's, it's one of those yeah, things it, where, it, like, I feel like if we were in their shoes, we would be a victim to the same idiocracy. I mean, like, yeah, because like, you don't have the, you know, you don't have like, you know, r slash atheism to tell you that, like, why the church is bad and shit like that. But it's just, it's just really funny to me. It was just like, so let me make sure you get this straight. You, you kill Dracula's wife. You basically emote dance on her corpse as she was burning into a crisp. You throw a celebration, celebrating that Dracula didn't do diddly squat for, you know, a year, and then later he comes and fucks up your shit. You kill you her you banish the one family that's known to fight evil time and time again and then they wonder like hmm yeah we probably probably not a smart move right there mm -hmm. it's one of those things where uh i feel like uh hysteria really leads into a uh a big factor into everything w one thing i will say though is um when it comes to vampires and when it comes to the whole uh like, what's their purpose here? What's their thing? And, like, I feel like at some point, as a vampire, I'd be bored of my mind, dude. Like, there's only so much time well, I, yeah, that's... I can sleep. There's only so much I can do. It was like, what is there else to do except just eat people? And people are afraid of me. Everyone around me is another vampire, and they're all pretentious assholes. I just, you know, I'd, I'd be... I'd be bored out of my mind. I think that's probably why you might like the Vampire the Masquerade, if you ever heard of that franchise. Oh, um, that's, that's the whole thing about it, where they talk about, like, all these different, like, subcultures of vampires, where they all do, like, they serve a different purpose and, and things like that. I think it's an interesting concept. I think that's probably why, like, I don't know if, I think Blood Hunt might be dead, uh, the BR, because I, I thought the concept of the game was really good. I just felt like they rushed a little bit too quickly into production, where I, I think that it kind of killed the vibe of it. Like, you know what, I'm generally curious to know, I have not played this game in a long time, and I know they added, like, a lot of content, like, mostly, like, multiplayer, like, um, rounds and stuff like that. But I'm gonna look up the Steam charts for um, Vampire: The Masquerade Blood Hunt because I'm generally curious. Because I know that that game kind of blew up a little bit, and then I I liked the game, I really did. Um, okay, yeah, it looked like it. Uh, the all-time peak it was almost thirty thousand players on Steam, and right now it looks like we're shooting about nine hundred players. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it looks like the player count is slowly dwindling over time. What a shame! It's one of those things where. Uh... I would like it to succeed. I still do. I just think they need to fix like a lot of the jank in the game, like the the lag spikes. The I think my biggest gripe with the game is the is the gift movement. I don't know if you've ever, you've played it, Marcos. No. Um, uh, basically, it's kind of trying to be like third person player, like Apex, 
but the movement gets constantly gimped a lot in like the most awkward of ways like for example like when you slide like okay when you slide in apex legends you know if there's like a flat surface you slide on the flat surface and it goes down to a decline you know you pick up speed as you're sliding down right but there's times and you know like your logic would be like okay if i slide on a flat roof and it goes down you slide down the roof and then you jump the momentum will carry you to jump to another building because where you're fighting is in the city of Prague. So the the buildings are super tall, right? right? Like that's like the whole thing is that you're constantly climbing and jumping, climbing and jumping. And there'll be times where like you'll slide on the flat roof, you slide down, and then as you jump, your momentum gets completely gimped and you just fall flat. And that shit like drove me nuts because there was like so many times where it's like you just get caught on the on the fern on the um, geography and it, it just it showed a lot of potential. I still think that it had potential. Mm-hmm. I just think that like it needed more time to like properly cook into the oven and like you know before it got released because I think that the player count is gonna like die out like really quickly. <laughs> I I really want to get into Apex. I've never gotten into it. I loved Apex. I mean, I would still kill for a Titanfall 3. I still think Titanfall 2 is still great. I know some people are very iffy about it. I know that the the game might not have the best uh, health at the moment, not because of the player base, but because of uh, the body and the cheating and issues like that. Uh, But, you know, I I still think that Titanfall 2 is like a super fun game that I hope that EA doesn't just completely forget because they're focusing too much on Apex Legends. And speaking about like other games that are like still really fun, even though it has like its questionable health, uh, TF2 is still like incredibly fun to play. I was playing it last night and I just realized, man, this game is just stupid fun. I think uh, with TF2, it's just one of those those games where like uh, people will get pissed that there's no updating and whatever, but you just play with your friends because of nostalgia and the game is you know done well enough where you're just like yeah i'm gonna just keep playing this game because it's that fun heck i played uh i'm still playing a bunch of some old school games like pokemon just because you know the nostalgia factor not because it's any good compared to the new games or or it's any better it's just one of those things where i'm just like yeah i'll play it just because why not Sometimes it's nice to go back to a game that you liked before and still, like, enjoy and be like, oh, yeah, that, that's just why I like video games, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, I, I definitely would like to go back to playing Ocarina of Time uh, once I'm done with Majora's Mask. I'll try to play a little bit more of it, maybe if I don't switch out to play some Project Diva. But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, that's probably why I went through a little bit of an emulation phase where I was just, like, playing nothing but, like, PS2, GameCube uh, games back to back to back because I was just, like, didn't want to deal with season passes or multiplayer or lag or anything like that. Just me and the game and enjoy for what it is i think when it comes to um overall gameplay over uh uh what do you call this overall gameplay uh to help uh keep an audience interested and then keeping your content there i think those go hand in hand because tf2's gameplay smooth as buttery smooth it's still nice to play now and then but that game hasn't had any updates in a while, and the only way, the reason why people really keep playing is because of the uh, the loot box mechanic. The same reason why CS:GO is still. A I thing. disagree. Well, no, I disagree. I know a couple of people who keep playing it because they just love, let just love getting hats. Well, no, I mean like what I mean by that is that like I I disagree because I mean like there there's people who play like shitty gotcha games all day and that's all they care about. But I'm talking about like TF2 is just a fun game to play. And then, no, like, of course, the, the of course. Customer. I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm sure CS:GO is, oh, okay. is fun as well up to a certain point and then people are just like the only time they ever play is with friends or they're just they just play because uh they put so much time into into this game they have the sunk cost fallacy where like oh i put a lot of money and time into this game I'm, i might as well just keep playing it whereas folks if anyone's listening this applies to anything in life especially relationships just because you put a lot of time and money into it does not make it worth more 
it, you still need to like reevaluate everything from an objective lens as much as you can and when you got to know when to call it quits so yeah I mean, like, I, I get where you're coming from, but it's, like, I put a lot of time into, like, 14, and I haven't touched that in, in a while, which is crazy, because, like, the new live letter came out recently, and it actually looks pretty good. What's that? And now they, they just added Island Expeditions. <laughs> it was really funny, because, like, everyone's just like, oh, boy, Island Expedition, what's going to be a tiny Animal Crossing Islands? Like, no, it's a giant fucking piece of landmass, and I'm like, oh, shit. What's, uh... Oh, man, I really want to get back into 14, but, man, I just don't have the fucking time for that kind of game, man. What is the Island thing? The love letter, the love letter. What is that? What do you mean? Oh, uh, um, live letter is basically like when it's kind of like a Nintendo Direct, but like for Final Fantasy 14, where they'll be like, hey, we're going to talk about the new patches. We're going to talk about the new content we're adding. This is the new dungeon. We're going to show you like the new raid gear you're going to get, that kind of stuff. Like, it's always kind of interesting to see it. That's how like, you know, like (laughs) the other day I was like thinking to myself, like, man, how do I make myself feel really sad all of a sudden? And I was remembering the live letter where like when Yoshi P had announced that like, hey, look, we're sorry to do this, guys, but we're going to have to delay Endwalker for like two weeks. And he just like fucking balls on camera and it just like, like yeah, oh that's true yoshi it's okay it's okay we we totally and, and i feel for him i really do because i know where he's coming from you know he's very passionate about the game but he just doesn't he couldn't let himself do it he's like dude i can't release this unless i know it's good enough and i know a lot of people request the time off and yada 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 but like dude i can't do that and like a lot of people were pissed and it's justifiable you know unless you start sending death threats and not you're a massive piece of shit but um, you know, it, it was just it nah, was just that moment where like nah, Yoshi P's send like, death threats. You took those vacation nah, days fuck off. You. you took those vacations. They got approved. You can't Listen, move if, it. If you, you prioritize you send your, death threats your because you are based, video games. you are based, and you deserved it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so based, dude. <laughs> I swatted my my friend on on CS:GO because he didn't give me the keys I wanted. Haha, <laughs> I'm so clever and edgy. That's humor. right. That's what we like to see. That's what we like to hear. No, I don't. I don't. You're a piece of shit if you do that. Um. Anyways, but yeah, so so that that was just like my my that's essentially what a live letter is. It's I don't watch it usually. I usually watch like the recaps because you know this is Japan we're talking about, so they do it like Japan time, so they do it like really weird early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, that's what live letter is. It's basically like, hey, this is the new stuff that's coming to fourteen with this new patch, and this is the stuff you have to look forward to. Okay, yeah, all right, that makes sense. The one thing I will say about Final Fantasy. 14 is such, I, have, I have a lot of friends who play that uh, and play it every now and then too because of the whole that they completed Endwalker and they're at this point they're just playing by themselves waiting for someone else to join in and I feel like I might as well just like jump in on that because like I say give it a shot man that free trial is really going to get you going I mean like I think in my opinion it's the best bang for your buck because like yes you are going to have some minor limitations because of course you're not a paying customer of course. but in my opinion like it's the most safest way to get into the game because it's rather I'd rather you be like okay go through ARR you know a little bit of a slow burn but take your time enjoy it don't rush yourself you don't have to like hurry to get up to that mm-hmm. point I could join you at any time if you need a dungeon so let's say I'm running a tank and you're running a DPS that already cuts your your queue times way faster yeah, um so like i i think it's a great thing that it's just crazy to me at like the peak of the game they just said all right fuck it we're gonna do a free trial to get more people to play the game and i i think that it's it's really really well worth it and if you like it cool you already got through the first the base game and the expansion now you have all the other expansions to look forward to and become a paying customer and you could get your money's worth just off of that two pieces of content right there like i don't think like you're really not getting skipped on you're really getting a lot of content included with the free trial that i've seen people get their totals money's worth out of the game like do like 100 percent everything like done every job every class every role everything 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 so they could just get as much money's worth and then they'll just be like all right now i'm gonna buy the game that is one topic i wanted to talk about for a while and you just reminded mm-hmm. me of it 
what is what would you consider money's worth? What like that you got your money's worth? Because like, if I'm playing a, a game for a long, long time, I'm talking about like for a while. Like I could put a thousand mm-hmm. hours into a sixty dollar game. That the sixty dollar game could be like, not the best game, objectively speaking, but I definitely got my money's worth because well, I uh, put a lot of time into that because I found it fun, and it's one of those things where I'm just like. Is is if if you're having fun with the game, I'm pretty sure the price doesn't matter, no matter how bad the well, game is. Because like, I argue I argue about it in a sense where it's like, look, I'm not gonna be one of those assholes that's just like, oh, a game that's sixty dollars should be like X amount of hours. Like, no, I disagree because I'm tired of bloated games. I'm really tired of games. Like, I I argue that Assassin's Creed would be way more fun if they cut down the number of missions. I think that that's like my, my maybe it's a hot take. I don't know, but I've always complained about like open world games that don't have to be open world, and there's too much bloat into the game that adds like doesn't feel complete. It just bloats the game. Um, if you want like an opinion, like what I think a game is worth the money, I would say fourteen because while well, yes, it is a monthly subscription, yeah, yeah, I feel like that sense. my subscription is well worth it because they're guaranteeing content, they're giving you money, and they're putting money into the game, and you also have to factor to the infrastructure and everything like that. Yes, I know some people might say, but there's free to play MMOs. Yes, but how many of those free to play MMOs are urging the shit out of you to buy shit? True. That makes sense, and there are games where I mean, put this in perspective. I spent money on cosmetics in Fortnite. Never spent money on cosmetics in in fourteen ever. I could, I want to, but I just never felt the urge to do it. Yeah, that makes sense. I think um when it comes to like just any game in particular, like one game I like playing a lot, which I putting two thousand hours into it across multiple platforms. I I didn't quite. Like now playing it now vanilla in this vanilla format, I think it's trash. But Skyrim, like when I first got it, sure it was nice and everything. But I was I was a teenager. I didn't know what the fuck I wanted. Uh, this was me coming off of Oblivion and uh, sort of playing Morrowind. It wasn't until I, I beat Skyrim that I started playing Morrowind again, and I realized Morrowind, narratively speaking, and when it comes to like world building and stuff. That game is a whole lot better than Skyrim, but Skyrim, vanilla Skyrim, is just so, so janky, so bad, so oh that it's just it's. It, are, and when you mean by vanilla, are you talking about just like the base, the base game, game with no mods, yeah, like what? Vanilla, yeah. Okay. All that being said, I'm just like, uh, I don't quite understand why uh, uh, people don't play with mods and stuff because like even with consoles, they like the newer consoles, uh. I'm sorry, the previous generation of consoles, the Xbox One and the uh, PS4, they have mod support. I'm surprised anyone plays the game still with no mods. Uh, and I know a couple people who do it. And it's, it, Well, most people, because they don't have the option, because if you're a console player, you just can't do that. I, I mean, like, yes, there's mods on console, yeah, mods but, on like, console. super limited. Uh, but limited. Mm, when they first came out, yes, but now it's not the, so limiting. I doubt you could play every mod on no, the PC. No, 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 it's not console. every mod. I'm saying the Creation Club thing allows... But you have to pay for it, if I if my right, right. right. You pay for mods, right, right. But I'm saying I've known people who are on console who have the free mods, sure, and they even they could pay for mods, but they don't use either one. All I'm saying is even the free mods, uh, which help fix things, they don't even use it. All I'm saying is it's it's one of those things where like playing an RPG at least nowadays, I just I just can't see to play it more than once vanilla anymore. Maybe the no, not even the Witcher. The Witcher being as perfect as a game as it is, I I still, I still want to play that shit with mods. 
I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, mod, mod, I mean, I, I get where you're coming from. Like, I'm the kind of camp that's like, I like mods that are, it, it depends on what I'm going for. Like, if I'm going for, like, the original experience, like, I try to play mods that don't break the game or, like, ruin my immersion right. or things like that. Like, I'm okay for, like, quality of life mods. Like, a good example is, like, uh, there was a mod I did for Majora's Mask Redux that did some small little things, nothing, like, super complicated. But simple, si- simple things, like, a good example is, like, hey, you know that D-pad on the N64 where you never fucking used unless it was Mischief Makers um, or maybe, like, Pokemon Puzzle League? Um, someone made an idea is just like, hey, why don't we just put the transformation masks there and the ocarina? Just put it there. And then it was like, oh, shit, that's that's totally fine. Or like I modded the model of Link to be like, oh, just a little bit more polygons. That's it. Just nothing groundbreaking, no Unreal Engine fuckery. Just like, oh, just just a little bit more, mo- you know, a little bit more models here, a little bit more detail in the boots. Nothing to like completely break the immersion or anything like that. Or a texture pack that was like, hey, we just redrew the textures. It wasn't like this awkward AI scaling shit, you right. know, basic things like that. I mean, like granted, yeah, I could have played fucking Majora's Mask as Diddy Kong if I feel like it, but I didn't want to do that. I mean, but Diddy Kong. Yeah, I know, but but Diddy Kong, I get it. Dude, I, I want to play Diddy Kong Racing so bad. Play Diddy it. Kong Racing? Oh, wait, it's not on the Switch online service, so you can't do it, because Nintendo's going to s- remove your kneecaps from your inventory. Good thing I have a N64. Mm. But I'm not gonna. Right, I'm not gonna take that shit out just to play just to play Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, but oh yeah, it's one of those games where I I feel like it's I can always just go back to it. It just happened. Do you think it was better than Mario Kart 64? Hmm. When it comes to the speedrunning community, yes. No, no, no. I I, I want but, your but take everything on it. else. Do no, I think like, I think Diddy Kong Racing. Uh, when it when it comes to just playing the single player mode, I feel like there's a lot more content. No, as a complete package, which one do you like more? I don't know, because both have their own strengths that I I look uh, I look to uh, when it comes to uh, like yes, I get it. Diddy Kong is way better single player than Mario Kart 64 single player, but I don't know. I I just I never hear people play Diddy Kong Racing together. I've heard more people say they play Mario Kart 64 together. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's it's one of those things where when it comes to playing together. Now, if you're a cool kid like me, I grew up playing a different rare racing game called Mickey Mouse Speedway USA. And that shit was fucking hard. Uh, what? Yeah, there was a, a I, I, I don't think a lot of people knew about this, but when I was a kid, I did grow up in Mario Kart 64 or, or Diddy Kong Racing. Oh, no, that's a lie. I did play a little bit of Diddy Kong Racing and Mario Kart 64, but not my copy. It was like my stepbrothers. Um, but I had a different Mar- uh, racing game called Mickey Mouse Raceway USA. It's basically like a, Mar- a kart style racing game. But with Mickey Mouse characters trying to find Pluto because, like, the weasels steal them. And it's all over the country. So you go, like, in Arizona, San Francisco, um, fucking uh, Indianapolis and shit like that. And I, I tried playing it again recently. I forgot how fucking hardcore the, like, the AI is in that game. Like, go to fucking town on you and shit. They just, like, like that. I, um, the only racing game I've ever, like, played a lot. And I mean, like, a lot. And this is, like, when I had no other games to play. And that's the only thing I did play at the time was uh, the Burger King racing game. And I put... The extra one that came with the free Whopper. Yeah, and I was playing that game, and uh, and I mean this seriously, I was playing it religiously where I had a muscle memory of of the maps on the highest CCs. Like, I'm talking about, like, I could probably speedrun that game if I wanted to when I was, if I was a child. Like it, I hope it that, that 360 emulation gets good enough so I can finally play those titles. I I've seen those games go on the bargain bin as low as like pennies, pennies, pennies on the dollar, 
and I've I never got around to play them. And I know I could have. I could have used them as a fucking coaster afterwards, but I never got around to playing them. The emulation's not good. No, I mean like I I don't know. I haven't really experimented with 360 emulation, but I just hope that eventually 360 emulation will be good enough that I could finally play those titles. Oh, okay. Unless I don't know, maybe Microsoft announced like, "Hey, those Burger King games are now supported on the Xbox One." All right. Yeah. But yeah, I think we should uh I think we should wrap it up here. Uh it's been a hell of an episode. Hell of an episode. Sorry for uh going MIA last week, guys. You know, life uh sometimes gets the better of us. We've been going through we have our things going on, but you know we try our best to uh, get these episodes out as uh, quickly as possible. Also, uh, Xi Jinping. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for the beginning. We love China. We're number one. Uh, we were just kidding. It was just it was all satire. It was just a joke. John Cena is my favorite. You uh, is WWE wrestler, right, Marcos? Yes, Marcos? yes, uh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, John Cena's John Cena. You know, Bing Chilling. Yeah, Bing Chilling. I love Bing uh, Chilling. Yes, please. I miss my family. Uh, yeah um anyways uh anyways guys uh i think we should uh wrap this up real quick uh thank you for watching and listening to the dkm podcast we really appreciate that if you haven't yet follow us on twitter join our discord server right below our link is in the description uh we'd love to have you guys in our little community and uh if you haven't yet feel free to subscribe and drop a like on the uh, video we really appreciate it helps it out helps us out a lot and just want to say thank you very much for watching and listening and you have a good one and take care